The starters got in more work nearly the entire first half for some in the Chiefs' second preseason game, and they left the Arizona desert with a victory and feeling especially good about the defense. On today's Sports BKC, beat writers Herbie Tiope and Sam McDowell discuss the Chiefs' 17-10 victory. It's Monday, August 23rd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We spend a little time on the wide receiver position and what the Chiefs could do with their final choices there, also tight end. On the defensive side, there's been plenty to like through two preseason games, whether it's the starters or depth. Chris Jones came up big in Friday's game, but so did many others. Okay, let's get going talking Chiefs with Herbie and Sam. Chiefs are through their second preseason game. They went to Arizona and beat the Cardinals 17-10. to Starters played most of the first half. That was fun. Uh, I, I think we will start the way we usually start these types of of shows after a game, and that's with an injury report. There were a couple of banged up players in this game. We know Tyreek Hill didn't play uh, because his hamstring tightened up. You know, Andy Reid told reporters, our esteemed Sam McDowell and Vahe, you know, the guys who made the trip. Um, Rashad Fenton, hamstring injury, uh, injured it during practice punt return before the game. Uh, Running back, wow, Darrell Williams left with a concussion. Uh, then you had Clyde Edwards-Alaire leave with an ankle injury, which is why we saw a lot of Darwin Thompson and his leaping ability <laughs> in the game. He loves to jump over people. And I think that's about it. The, the main guys that got hurt off the top of my head. Yeah, still missing Frank Clark and, and Derek Nye yeah. and, you know, yeah, the guys that were hurt in training yeah, camp, correct. The guys that haven't been out there, like LDT, is still dealing with his hand injury, injury, and of course Kyle Long with his knee injury. Well, Long and um, Long and Malik Herring are still on the physically unable to perform list, so okay. until they actually put in a practice, we'll never see them out there. And, and Andy Reid has noted to us that Frank Clark's injury is is something minor, even though he's been dealing with it for a couple of weeks now. But minor enough where he won't be able to talk to us. <laughs> hey, speaking of that, I thought Sam, you and Vahe did a good job carrying the the media load out there in the in the post game. You sounded good on the you know getting those questions in. Um, hey, speaking speaking of the running backs, the, the the Chiefs played all four in the first half. By halftime, Darwin Thompson had played. So I don't know, probably a little bit more activity on the injury list than you'd want to see with uh, with Daryl Williams and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but. You mentioned the, the Tyreek Hill hamstring tweak, and I noticed, uh, Sam, I think it was to your question to McCole Hardman after the game that nobody knew until game time that Ty Hill wasn't going to play. So that that changed the approach of the offense, and that left McCole Hardman as wide receiver number one. And I think that became the first storyline of the game, the connection and the timing between Patrick Mahomes and McCole Hardman there was a really nice connection on maybe it was the first attempt of the first target, you know, that slant uh, that went for 13 yards. But when they got closer to the goal line, they just didn't seem to sync up uh, Hardman and, and Mahomes. So let's, let's start with that. And what, what to make of the, the errant throws by Patrick Mahomes toward McCole Hardman, one into the back of the end zone, probably over his head. And the other one was uh, Mahomes across his body with a, uh, you know, as, as uh, Hardman was, was going across the end zone. 
What, what, what did, what well, there was Harden one that Patrick Mahomes said he threw in. too hard. He put too much zip on the ball. There was another one that Hardman said was some sort of miscommunication, the sort of corner route to the left side of the end zone. Um, and so I think Patrick Mahomes, I mean, anytime I hear McCall Hardman say it's a miscommunication, I'm guessing the quarterback is on the right page. Um, so, but the most interesting part of all that was that Hardman ran a couple of Tyree Kill routes. Um, the first completion you're talking about is a Tyree Kill play. And then there was another one that's sort of a drag route across the field where um, it's a zone coverage. They, they certainly would expect Tyree Kill to be able to race past anybody over the middle of the field. And Hardman just didn't get there quite in time. And so he's got the speed to do it is exactly what Patrick Mahomes said. So again, I think the sort of, you know, b- b- between the lines reading of that is he didn't and he probably should have. And so, I, you know, that's that's always been the development with McCall Hardman. When we heard Joe Blameyer outline that, actually, it's the first time we've heard a coach, I think, just explicitly say that McCall Hardman can run, can fly by anybody he wants to fly by. It's just getting all the other routes precise. Um, and so that, that's been the development for three years now. I think we all expected him to take a leap forward there last year. So that's why we're talking about it now is because he didn't really do it last year. And, and so it, without Sammy Watkins, it, it's a big storyline for whether or not he can do that this year. The interesting thing there, too, is whenever you hear a wide receiver say it's, it's miscommunication, that, that means obvious lack of chemistry. And that, let's just go ahead and translate what that means. And, and that is kind of concerning because, you know, like as, as Sam points out, you know, it's, it's the little things. If you have all the speed in the world, but if you're not on the same page as your quarterback, that, that becomes an issue as the season rolls along. You know, maybe he'll take the step. This is a learning process, as we all like to say. It's, it's an evaluation process to preseason games. They know what they need to work on. Uh, and, and, but you can't have those kinds of mistakes. You can't have miscommunications uh, once the games start counting for real. As I was watching the first half, it just it just struck me how important Tyreek Hill is to this team. Um, the, the, as you said, Sam, McCall Hardman was running Tyreek Hill routes, and the fact that Mahomes and Hill have been one of the best combinations in the NFL during their time in the NFL, I guess that's stuff I've, I've taken for granted. You know, when 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 I, when I see those. When I see Mahomes target Tyree Kill, I think there's going to be a completion there. And when McCole Hardman is running the same routes and, and Mahomes is yeah. targeting Hardman, it's like, oh, I don't know. You know, it's, it might happen, might not happen. And yeah, I think, you know, that, that that's a great point. Um, there's there's sort of a, a few guys in this team that this seem irreplaceable, and it's either because they're so good or because you worry about who replaces them. Um, you know, with, with Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, I think Orlando Brown's on that list because I don't know who plays left tackle if Orlando Brown gets hurt. Um, but with Tyree Kill, it's both of those factors. And he might be the only position where you say it's not only how talented the guy is, but you worry about who fills in for him. So um, we, we thought we all talked about do they need a second wide receiver already? And so you lose Tyree Kill and now you're talking about going <laughs> With potentially without a wide receiver one or a natural wide receiver two on the roster. So I think that's a great point, Blair. I think he's one of um, the guys they can least afford to lose the, at any point this season. We, Like you said, we sort of saw that play out over the first quarter on Friday. 
comes back and catches yeah. the touchdown pass from Chad Henning and makes a really nice adjustment on the underthrown so ball. It's in the end fault because he so, had the connection with Henning. <laughs> I, I, you, <laughs> exactly. Hey, let's stay with the wide receiver group, which is <laughs> I thought became more interesting with the Cardinals game. Um, so, you know, I think we, we we're all working under the assumption that you know Hill, Hardman, uh, Demarcus Robinson, Pringle, yeah. and who, who am I missing? Uh, Byron Pringle Absolutely. are you know kind of etched in there for as the top four. And it becomes a little bit of a, you know, a, maybe a battle after that among uh, Marcus Kemp, Darius Fountain, um, the, the draft pick, Cornell Powell. And, and, then it, and then there's a balance there. Do they, you know, how many wide receivers do they keep versus tight ends? And do they want to keep as many as four? So I think, you know, staying with the, you know, if you watch the entire game, the second half and watch the non-starters play, you saw guys like, you know, Fountain and Marcus Kemp, once again, have nice moments. Fountain, especially, my gosh, that, that guy, um, he, he's going to he's gonna play for somebody somewhere this season, right? Herbie, don't you think? Yeah, we're talking about a former draft pick from the Colts. And I'll say this, you know, when he was out there for mandatory minicamp, the rookie minicamp, because he, he attended it on a tryout basis, I know, like, he caught some of our attention. You know, the guy is, for one, he's huge. Uh you know, when I see number 82, I'm thinking, Dwayne, is that Dwayne Bowe? But it wasn't him, obviously. But it's it, he, he certainly looked good out there. Uh, and then he carried over in the OTAs. He kind of disappeared early in camp until the pads came on. And that's where you're, you really you really start paying attention when the pads come on. And then all of a sudden, he just started emerging. You know, two straight preseason games where he has looked good. Uh, and I think Sam... Uh, McDowell here tweeted out, yeah, he's going to be with another team if it's not with the Chiefs. And I certainly agree with that. You know, he, he has looked he, – he's, he's turned some heads and he's got some, he's got some tape now. <laughs> so if the Chiefs don't keep him, you know, uh, another team might snatch him up in a hurry. You know, we haven't, we haven't seen Fountain play special teams, which is why I still think Kemp probably has the edge on him. Um, but I think the question comes down to do the Chiefs keep – the fifth round draft pick with Cornell Powell um, because he has not impressed uh, any of us in camp. He has not impressed us in the preseason games and Fountain has impressed us in both. Um, you know, there were, I actually thought in the first time he sort of caught my eye was in, in one-on-ones with, with their top cornerbacks he was going up against in some of these one-on-ones. Um, he's also a very vocal guy whenever something goes his way. He likes to make sure everybody around knows that he just made a play, which I, I mean, I, I love that sort of energy on the field, especially as an observer. Um, I, you know, just, just talking to some people with the chiefs they're they're, they realize they have a tough decision with Darius fountain. He's not a guy that was, you know, I mean, let, let's face it. I think he was probably more of a camp body. Whenever you're a tryout in rookie camp, you're, you're an extra body in, in training camp. And he's certainly just so much more than that right now. The Chiefs kept six wide receivers last year with their initial 53. It was Hill, Watkins, Robinson, Hardman, Pringle, and Kemp. So if you remove Watkins from that equation, uh, you know, you mentioned the top four already. They, they do have – if they do decide to go that route again, you know, realistically, you could keep Kemp and you could keep Fountain if you wanted them. But, you know, it, do you give up on Cornell Powell like you mentioned? You know, and I don't think that's Brett Feach's M.O. to say, hey, I, I blew it. 
with a, a draft pick. You look how long it took for him to, to finally cut bait on Breland Speaks. Uh, so there, this is going to be a fascinating uh, development as we, we roll to the initial 53 here in about a week and a half. Well, if you look at the stats from previous Andy Reid teams, wide receiver five and six, you know, don't, don't get many targets, right? I, I think those positions need yeah. to be special teams players. They better be contributors on special teams. And of those candidates, the sure. one we know for sure is, is Marcus Kemp. Yeah. And he's a, and he's a capable wide receiver, right? He's not a, you know, he's, he's not a speedster or anything like that, but he is a gunner for Dave Tobe's, uh, you know, coverage teams. And, and uh, I, I got to think that there's, there's going to be a place on the, on the roster for him. So to me, it comes down to uh, Powell and, and, uh, and Fountain and um, yeah, Fountain. So what, what, I don't know what they do there. I, because it's clearly one yeah, has been better um, than the you know, other. There's the other thing about Marcus Kemp that he's got a leg up on is he knows every position. So he knows every route in the playbook. And so the, your wide receiver five is probably only going to get in the game if you've got some injuries. And so a guy that knows every position is, is, a, is a major aid in that. So that's why I think it, it'd, be, it'd be hard to, you know, keep one of those other guys at the expense of Marcus Kemp. Um, so I do think it comes down to Cornell Powell and, and Darius Fountain and, um, you know, some teams only keep five. You know, I think two years ago the Chiefs only kept five. Last year they kept six. Um, I, I just think that that group is too deep to only keep five this year. I think we're going to see six. Um, and I, I think you sort of play a game with, you know, can I get one of these guys back on the practice squad if they don't make my initial 53? And I don't think you can get Darius Fountain back on the practice squad if you don't keep him on your initial 53. There's too much tape out there from these first two games. And with Cornell Powell, I, you know, maybe somebody takes a chance on him because he had a great year at Clemson last year. Um, but I also think it's a red flag if, if he's a fifth-round draft pick and doesn't make the team. And maybe you have a shot at getting him back um, on your practice squad if he doesn't make your initial 53. And, and maybe that's part of the calculus for, for deciding which guy to keep. Herbie, I was hoping for a bigger game. You were, from Jody you were hoping for a bigger uh, game. You know, you know, Herbie, you, I will say this. <laughs> Lewis Riddick, one of the great football evaluators in the National Football League, who should be a general manager. To me, it's stunning that Lewis Riddick from ESPN is not a general manager. But I'm glad he pointed it out. There were two plays. Uh, Darwin Thompson's 13-yard run and then Gore's 19-yard run. Those runs don't happen if not for Fortune's blocking. And I love that, that Lewis Riddick pointed that out because the tight end, you know, here's the thing with preseason. Maybe, you know, Andy Reid mentioned last week, we made a concerted effort to get the ball to Reese Fountain. We wanted to see what he could do. The same thing could apply to Fortune here. Let's, let's just use him as an, in a blocking role because we want to see what he can do. Remember, he's a transitioning wide receiver to, to tight end. He packed on 20 pounds of muscle. Uh, for that role, and I know we worked out exclusively this offseason with one of the great blocking tight ends of recent memory, Central Missouri's own uh, Delaney Walker. So, you know, he worked out this summer on blocking, and it showed last, or excuse me, not last night, Friday night, on those two runs. Exceptional blocks to seal the edge, opened up the hole, and the running back just scampered right, right behind Fortson's block. Did he do well in the, in, in the offensive point? No, he did not. But did he do what he was asked to do? Absolutely. You got to see that as a tight end. Can he be a blocker? And that's what he did. 
That is just some incredible spin. They didn't want him to catch any passes on Friday, Blair. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just saying Lewis Riddick pointed that out at the end of the broadcast. Uh, I think one of the – one because one it was a three-person booth, and one of the people mentioned, what do you think about the blocking? And he, he specifically mentioned Jody Fortson. Yeah. Well, they've got the blocking tight end in Blake Bell. Um, I, I, I want Fortune to be a receiving threat, and, I, and, he, and he would be if he was on the field. So I think that's another uh, – I, I think Noah Gray is also going to – he'll make the team and they'll de- help – they'll develop him. Fortune's the guy who is sort of, to me, on the bubble, and I just – I see so, so much upside with him that uh, just a big body target that the Chiefs could use – and if, if he is as good a blocker here, especially if they're, you know, if, if they're serious about emphasizing the running game and possession time this year, uh, he could be valuable there. Hey, b- before we leave the offense, I just, uh, I just want to mention, can we agree that? No, no, that, that was those are among the most entertaining plays that we get. No, let's, let's, let's keep, let's keep Demarcus Robinson back there. It, there are two things I always cringe. He always takes the step back. It, it'll always go back like a yard or two. And then he holds the football like a yeah. loaf of bread. And I'm like, I just cringe when I – special teams, you got to tuck that thing around. You know, it's a, it's a high-impact part of the football game. Players are flying all around, and you're holding the ball out like this, you know, in front of you or to the side of you, and it's not even tucked away. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Uh, no. <laughs> well, absolutely. How could you forget that play? You remember that play in New Orleans last year? Last year where he- <laughs> It was also like the last play of the half. I I mean, he had he had to go seventy yards in order for that any of that to matter. (laughs) Exactly. So, all right, Uh, we've gone too long without talking about the defense. We'll do that after we take a break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell, who cover the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the defense was terrific. The starting defense was just, uh, I mean, it doesn't get much better, right? Uh, three series against Kyler Murray and this Cardinal starting offense, three three and outs, a total of minus one yard of total offense. I don't know where to start, except let's start with starters. And there was a surprise one with Juan Thornhill at safety. Uh, it had been an interesting week, to say the least, for Juan Thornhill. Sam, um, you were the one that first noticed that he was he was running out with the starters. Uh, they, the Chiefs went with three safeties. I wonder if that was just – that wasn't a, a scheme thing as much as a – Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a, been a major won. point of emphasis just to get him plays. Um, so he played basically three full quarters on Friday – and, you know, I, I just, you know, Andy Reid said it after the game. I, I think his quote was, we need Juan. We need him feeling good about himself. Um, you know, he's not a guy they're going to give up on just because he, he didn't, let's face it, he did not play well in the preseason opener. And I thought he played really well on Friday. And that, that goes beyond the interception. I mean, the interception is, 
we might not we could watch 17 i was going to say 16 but 17 chiefs games this year and that that's probably the best interception we're going to see all year um so i i i think he's i mean i've been saying it for a while but i think he's as crucial to this defense you know his development or just just getting back to where he was at the end of his rookie year would would just be a tremendous development for the chiefs defense because they they don't have a replacement for him if, if he's not playing well, we've seen them try other guys there. We've seen them try Devin key. Heck we saw Armani Watts get a few snaps with the ones in practice. You know, their, their best defense is with Juan Thornhill playing at his best. Here's something interesting with Juan Thornhill, the Sands point about the chiefs wanting to get him on the field. You know, he played uh, the second most defensive snaps in the preseason opener against the 49ers with 40. And then he led the team in defensive snaps against uh, the Cardinals with 32. So, yeah, they're absolutely trying to get him on the field. He he makes Tyron Matthew a better player when he's playing well. And he, he allows Tyron Matthew to, to roam, to, to do the things that frees him up, right, to do the things that Tyron Matthew does. And to me – Juan Thornhill Agreed. has to be yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when, when Daniel Sorensen's in the game, instead of Juan Thornhill, Tyron Matthew has to play deeper. And, mm-hmm. you know, you want Juan Thornhill playing that, that deep route. First of all, he's got more speed um, than Tyron Matthew or Daniel Sorensen does. So I, I think when Juan Thornhill's in there, and again, it, it depends on if he's playing at his best, of course, but if he's in there playing confident, you get better at two positions, really. Um, suddenly, suddenly you're in the box. Safety becomes better because Matthew's an upgrade on Daniel Sorensen as well. Daniel Sorensen is a thumper first to me. You know, he, he's really good at it. Run stopper. I think when uh, I, I like him on the field in um, you know in, in, in exotic defenses, but I like him as a you know as a run guy and. Um, and you're right. So good for Juan Thornhill. You're right about that interception. That, that was incredible. The stretched out. Um, I, I thought at first maybe the ball had hit the ground, but he did a great job, not only of catching it, but securing it. And yeah, something else that's of note on that play, Blair, um, which, which I'm writing so. about this week. But um, he baited the quarterback intentionally on that play. He said he took a stutter step and, and then, then darted uh, to make that play. And I don't think there's there's a better example of him playing with more confidence this year than last year than just to take that risk. I mean, last year, I think he was so concerned about, can I get here? You know, like he said, can, can I run fast enough to get to this spot? Can I jump high enough to cover this spot? Um, I don't think he takes a chance like that last year and tries, tries to bait a quarterback. I mean, that's sort of next level stuff. He's healthy. That tells me he's healthy. Yeah, so I thought that was the best defensive play of the game, maybe the best play of the game for the Chiefs. Um, the second best defensive play, take your pick between the Chris Jones sack, which was just incredible um, maneuvering. So it was lined up outside and, and make an inside move. Kyler Murray didn't know what had hit him. He'd gotten there so fast, which Chris Jones did. Or I thought this was excellent, too, the Legereus Sneed chasing Kyler Murray out of the pocket and – Anthony Hitchens gets credit for the sack because he was closest to him when Kyler Murray went out of bounds. But I just, I just loved what I saw from, from the, not only from the defensive line, but the, but the pressure on Kyler Murray didn't have, 
you know, one of the really nice young quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I think I actually think Murray's a, a little bit overrated um, because I don't think he does really well with pressure, specifically from his throwing side. Um, so I was a little bit surprised to see that Spagnola dialed up you know, that sort, those sort of blitzes in the preseason. Um, the Sneed play is a perfect example, a guy that comes from his throwing angle. Um, but one of the under-talked under about things after the game was their cornerbacks played really well. Um, their defensive line, of course, helped them out by not making them guard for extended periods of time. But it started off with, uh, I think it was the second or third down play, where Charbarius Ward made just a fantastic tackle on a, on a running play um, in the backfield. And their cornerbacks, I, I just thought their cornerbacks were great in the game. And that's been, you know, I mean, you've heard me talk about it. I, th I thought the biggest question of their defense was was their cornerbacks behind LeJarius Sneed, oh. and they, they, they were great. They were great, at, but I think we have to also toss in the caveat that uh, – Multiple all-pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins didn't suit up. So, you know, well, he was suited, but he didn't play. Uh, but that's the, the the thing about the preseason. But you know, you you take that part aside. They did have AJ Green out there, who was also a perennial Pro Bowl wide receiver. But so they did ultimately hold up. They did very well. Yeah, JJ Watson Jones too. for the Cardinals on the on the defensive side. Right. Chandler Jones, who I man, I just think he's fantastic. Uh, when he was at his peak, he was as good a you know, pass rusher as it was in the game. Um, so you know, the starting offense, four series right for Patrick Mahomes, and they only come up with a field goal, and yet the Chiefs are leading three to nothing at the end of that series of of plays because of this defense, probably not talking enough about the potential for that side of the ball. Are we, is this, you know, is this a, you know, a, a, a are we thinking maybe a top 10 defense or. I, I uh, agree. I, at I least think, the you opportunity know, to be there. Andy Reid was absolutely correct at the end of mandatory minicamp where he said enough is not being said about the addition of Jaron Reed. And we talked about Chris Jones. You know, Chris Jones's ability to flex outside and, and, you know, we've seen it in training camp. We've seen it here in preseason action. He's he's rotating back and forth between the left and the right defensive end spots. So you're allowing him, you know, arguably the best pass rusher on the team. And, and when I when I see him doing that, I'm thinking of J.J. Watt. You know, when J.J. Watt was healthy, they let him freelance. You know, he, he got to pick which side of the defensive line that – he wanted to rush from because he spotted a weakness. And Jaron Reed allows Jones to do so much more. And as we know, in the especially in today's National Football League, you have to be able to affect the pass, uh, the passer, the quarterback. And then Jones stays healthy. And then if Frank Clark doesn't get suspended and he's playing, yeah, this this has absolutely the makings of a top ten defense, in my opinion. You know, we, we can't get a comment from Andy Reid about Chris Jones moving to the edge because he always reverts the conversation back to the only reason he's playing on the edge is because they have Jaron Reed. Um, so, you know, I, I think we've asked him several times, you know, how, how do you think Chris is, is developing out there at the edge? And that's that's always what, what we get instead. Um, but, you know, as far as where the Chiefs finish, I mean, do, do they have a, a top 10 defense? I I don't think that they're one of the 10 best defenses in the NFL, but, you know, I, I didn't think that last year and they still finished, I think like 10th or 11th in points allowed. 
So, I mean, that, that they could get there and, 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 you know, a statistic like that. Um, but, you know, line them up wise, I think I could find 10 other defenses. I'd probably take over them. I'll be the homer here. I'll take the Chiefs. I'll be the homer. I'll take the Chiefs. I do like the potential. Yeah, I, I do like the potential. Look, we didn't even talk about guys like Turk Wharton, Colin Saunders, who yeah. have been playing really well, and, and Willie Gay, who played in his first – you know, first preseason game, guy who has played in the Super Bowl, but finally played in a preseason game on. Uh, I, I think the, um, the oh, biggest sorry, question mark that you're going to have on the Chiefs defense, you know, if, if the cornerback position, if that question is answered, we still need to see how they do against the run. You know, like last year it was an Achilles heel, but I think, you know, if these young linebackers, if they, if, if they develop into what we think they can develop into, then this, is, this has the makings of, of really good defense you know, with Hitchens and Bolton and Gay, and then even if you're rotating Ben Neiman in there, uh, I, I, that, that's the biggest question mark to me. Can they stop the run consistently? Okay, let's get out uh, of here Tuesday, on this. the 24th, Herbie, they got to go uh, from 85 to 80. Uh, and then the final one is Tuesday, the 31st. They'll have, they'll have to establish the initial 53. Okay, and of course they play Friday night against the Minnesota Vikings at Arrowhead Stadium. Okay, hey, uh, Sam McDowell, Herbie Tiope, thanks guys. We'll do it again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Herbie Tiope and Sam McDowell for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. And of course, they post first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. It's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? Go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, features, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, you just send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it is the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode.